Hey everybody, welcome to the Growing with Fishes podcast, episode 225. Uh, this week we have Shore Grown from New Jersey. Thanks for what's joining. up? Hells yeah, what's up guys? Going, man. We also got Marty from AP Meds. Going. We just posted uh, Marty's um, presentation from the Virtual Aquaponic Cannabis Conference yesterday, just in the singular format. So if you want to check that out over on the, the Potent Ponics YouTube channel, definitely go check that out. Uh, or you can check out the full format of the, the conference on there. Um, yeah, if I remember right, that is um, dual read zone question and answer session and you siphons. So if you want to check that out. Oh, yeah. Andy. All kinds of fun stuff. So um, uh, we were ta- uh, starting to talk to a little bit before the show. Uh, I think a lot of people... Um, uh, know that New Jersey is kind of uh, getting uh, getting ready to really uh, uh, go full hog with legalization finally after uh, quite a long struggle and uh, you know kind of years of uh, maybe not the best situation with medical and things like that. So um, uh, you know I, I remember back when uh, Chris Crispy uh, uh, first um, uh, legalized medical and it was like man if if that man can have a heart and at least legalize it for kids. Now granted it wasn't really what we wanted but. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. He was the one first. Was it him or was it the guy after him? I'm pretty sure it was him that passed the the original one with the kids, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Yeah. He was the first guy that was officially coined for getting the ball rolling. Yep. And uh, not that we like him very much on the show, but a uh, hey, credit or credits due at least, uh, uh, you know, he didn't start the ball rolling there. So, uh, but um, uh, yeah, so uh, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, kind of uh, what's going on in New Jersey, uh, maybe a little bit of background on, on that, and then tell us about what, what you do there. And, uh, you know, you do a lot of education, you kind of provide a lot of resources for people that are in the local community that don't have kind of the, the people like us to go to there in, in, in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, newer states don't have kind of the gurus and problem solvers and things like that. Um, uh, on the show and uh, or, and uh, or available to them or don't know about different shows or podcasts because they're just there isn't that same kind of community that there is on the west coast you know what I mean um, it's definitely something that we notice here in, in uh, Oklahoma so tell us a bit about yourself and then uh, a little bit about uh, kind of what's going on in New Jersey yeah we uh, myself and a couple of partners started Shore Grow uh, about three years ago this was right after Murphy got elected in and he came in on that 200 days. I'm going to provide kind of campaign that essentially got him into office, in my opinion, in the first place. But, you know, we set up shop anticipating that would be the beginning of the end. And it, it took it took quite some time before we got there. But, you know, just really, as you mentioned, the number one thing that I noticed uh we went really above and beyond on the customer service aspect because of the lack of community that you're kind of discussing the situation you faced out there. And yeah, it's almost been like just exactly the way you phrased it. So early off the get the get go, we really kind of focus shift focus primarily on education. Uh, we do free monthly classes always last Thursday of the month. Um, 
and now we just started doing the live streams every Tuesday night at eight o'clock. Uh, the grower sessions, we call them. And shit like that has been the number one way that we can spread awareness and kind of uh, help a lot of new new growers. Like, uh, you know, it's fascinating. You know, most of them come into the shop and they want to get LEDs. Like, it still blows me away that you know, people, and I'm not dissing or anything. I'm not choosing sides or anything. It's just interesting because I've a lot of the uh, West Coast growers, HPS is the end all, ev end all, you know, as it shifts back and forth and shit. But I feel like it's uh, people, I when I talk to a lot of West Coast growers, they're like, and people just want LEDs. And I'm like, a lot of the new growers, like they, and I assume it's just because that's what they see it on all the influencers and stuff. Um, uh, Instagram and stuff, but anyway, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, the other part of it too, is as of uh, January 1st, everyone in California has to have LEDs now for all new construction. Um, you can't run HIDs anymore. And, um, uh, you know, that'll definitely help force the market pretty quickly there. <laughs> um, and you know, that's going to happen in so a lot of the more progressive States. I think that's going to, you know, betting man would say that new york uh, and uh you know some of the other more uh uh democratic states are going to lean towards that you know washington state oregon they're both probably going to end up doing that pretty soon as well you know uh, any of those states are going to you know probably adopt this kind of kind of stuff it, one of the other things that we're seeing too is um for greenhouse construction requiring light depth as well in a lot of states um and uh i could see that happening in new jersey you know they like their their skies there and stuff like that you know people are real big on their they're farming and stuff there and they don't want their neighbor's crops to be to be bothered. So I could see that being a regulation realistically in New Jersey as well. And um, and we've even seen that affect aquaponic growers that are just growing lettuce where they're being required if they want to run lights uh, to have light depth, which is kind of insane. <laughs> with the with the LED requirements and stuff like that, is it just generally LEDs or is it more so uh, uh, wattage per square canopy footage? No, it's strictly LEDs and you can't wow. use. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, New Jersey, uh, yeah, it all really started with Christie and stuff like that. And then when Murphy got elected into office, he kind of came to us selling the golden ticket. And, you know, generally speaking, what I tend to notice ever since he got into office is that it became essentially a pissing contest between him uh, Sweeney and Skatari, uh, you know, really between the three of them, you know, in a sense, Murphy is from the northern part of the state where Big Pharma is notorious. Um, and then you've got, you know, Sweeney specifically down in AC, you know, where things are typically another type of organization and you know and you know don't quote me on any of this this is just all you know opinion as far as i'm concerned but they've been battling on who's going to split up the loot uh for the past two years essentially and it's gotten to the point where they have to kind of figure it out because re-election year is coming up and in my opinion if they want to get re-elected they're going to have to get something done and they were playing kind of ignorant while they were doing their uh, battles, you know, divvying up the loot, saying, oh, I'm not going to. And the media was all over the place. It was a beautiful fucking car crash to watch uh, entertainment wise. But as far as what actually got done and what will be getting done, you know, there are there are very 
recently speaking, you know, they, there's a lot of push for the recreational market. And I'm not sure, you know, to just, just to get into the medical market in New Jersey right now, especially, you know, everything got a lot worse after COVID, but even pre-COVID, there's a very, very small demand being met, even on the patient market. Um, you know, a lot of patients, especially now with COVID specifically, have a very difficult time uh, getting medicine when it is available. And when it is available, it's typically very low quantities. Uh, most of the operating legal facilities here are not able to even put a dent in the medical market. And I'm sure there's some stupid statistics to prove it, but um, you know, I tend to deal with a lot of patients at the shop, personally speaking, and they're always talking about how if they want to get the latest drop from one of the facilities, they have to sign up for it 24 hours in advance and be there on certain ridiculous pretenses. That's sometimes even physically impossible, depending on how disabled you are. But uh, it's kind of ridiculous. And a lot of times there's even no guarantee that you are going to get the medicine that day. It really depends on uh, it's kind of silly to even consider launching a rec market like they plan on doing, uh, providing the rec market with cannabis without being able to even, you know, I would safely say at least say 50% of the medical market. Um, so it's when they started to announce the and work on the recreational market, this is more specifically within the last month or two. This was after they put it on the ballot and this, they made this the, the state of New Jersey kind of say yes or no to formulate to formulating a cannabis regulatory commission composed of like five people that would do all the details and regulation as far as what licenses we're giving out are gonna be given out under what context are people gonna be able to do business and so on and so forth. Um, so when it comes to the actual nitty gritty and details, a lot of them have not even been announced. A lot of this rec bill that's being discussed right now is pretty much saying like, yes, we're gonna establish a rec market. Yes, there's gonna be a commission that, or I should say a lot of what people voted on when they got the ballot was, you know, yes, they're gonna establish the rec market and um, yes, they will establish the commission to kind of monitor and regulate it. Um, and that's what people voted for. And if I'm not mistaken, 60% of the state voted yes on those ballots. Um, so when they started talking about launching the rec market, the, the politicians or the policymakers were no, uh, nice no longer able to remain naive and say they didn't think the people wanted it. Um, and that's one of the big things that's changing the situation right now. If anybody has any questions or anything, please pop in or jump in. Um, no, you're doing great. We'll take questions in chat. So if any pop up, we'll let you know. Oh, cool. Thank you, Marty. Um, so when all that, that's more recently, um, the state voted on it which pretty much told the policymakers that they, the state, we want them to work on it. A lot of people thought if they were voting on that, then cannabis was going to be legal and it was all going to be fucking hunky dory, but you know, it's not the way politics work. Um, so that's the current situation. And really what they're trying to specifically put out is the, the, the nitty gritty of the recreational market, not very detailed. I just, I shouldn't say nitty gritty, like the, a basic, a basic, a basic um, 
basic announcement and then the regulation would come in and put out all the details of uh, as far as what licenses are being granted so on and so forth uh, and that information is available now on the current bill if anybody's really interested and want to go through 250 pages of fucking legal mumble jumbo um but um when so, it come i'm mm -hmm. sorry so you so you do uh you have a um uh, a gross store right and you you also put out education you do all, all kinds of cool stuff you're doing you have a, a i see you all the time broadcasting on your uh your uh your help show that's really been our bread and butter um i used to to when i let me say it this way when i first started growing a long time ago i spent like five thousand dollars on this stupid ass little box crate that i found on high time stupid shit and i made some really really bad fucking decisions what were they called they had a name for them they had a brand uh, oh they, gosh i can't remember once in a while you'll see one in a flea market or something <laughs> and they're, they're actually like they're like a collector's item now there's like old stoners that are like looking for them so if you see one that's in real good condition, like put it on eBay, you'll get way more money for it. No shit. I, yeah, I yeah, still I, have I, it. It's yeah. green, right? The one you're talking about. Uh, mine was like I probably it was, I, I it was like I got it home and I looked at it and I was like, oh fuck, they just like put a bunch of components together in a box. So, like there was no fabrication. Like I put those guys probably put that shit together for like eight hundred bucks, but and it was a, a six hundred watt HPS. In like a cabinet, it had to be like five feet tall and four, three feet wide, you know. And I was like, CO2 tanks, and I had all the bells and whistles, but I didn't know how to do shit with it. But uh, so yeah, I I try to help people not fucking uh, make that mistake. And I and typically speaking, I, it was very confusing. So I I tend to heavily suggest any new growers out is there. B, to, is it a BC box? Somebody in chat said. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called a BC box. I'm going to be wrong. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It was just, uh, uh, I thought it might ring a bell. That was, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I pretty much advocate people start low and slow. Uh, take it simple, you know, some ocean forest with some fox farm on your first couple of runs and then get fancy because I think, uh, and I, I see it all the time because a lot of people look at me and they're like, dude, don't you want to sell me product? And I was like, dude, I know you're going to love this shit and you're going to be buying product. Like, just relax. And they look at me crazy. And some guys, it takes them two years of growing fucking, you know, 10 plants at a time before they realize that if you cut the newts back a lot, the plants will actually fucking yield more. <laughs> you know, it's like wild. But uh, so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really, and I get, I get, I enjoy the educating process too. Uh, doing like a podcast and all that jazz. What uh? So, what are some of the common pest issues you're seeing out there in uh, in that part of the world? I remember what was going on uh, in in the uh, Philadelphia side of the river. Uh, what what kind of pests are you guys having on the other side of the river? Most common right now, and it's been really weird for the last four or five months. Um, is fucking fungus gnats are out the ass, and I think it's just majority. I, about 80%, I would say, the growers I deal with are new growers, like, in, in the course of the sense. Um, and overwatering is a struggle that I seriously, I, I fight on the regular. Um, aside from that, nothing too out of the ordinary, you know, uh, mites and PM, 
you know, and I feel like that's just, I feel like that's almost everywhere. We haven't seen the Borg mites specifically. I can say that I'm always on the lookout for those motherfuckers because I've read some terrible fucking blog posts about them. Oh yeah. And we, and uh, we, we've, uh, I know we've put some stuff out there on them. Uh, if anyone's looking for a really good insect resource, we have a whole, um, uh, I have a whole playlist on beneficial insects and, um, you know, uh, non-chemical, uh, app, you know, solutions um, that I have on there. And then you can also check out uh, Zenthanol. He's been a guest on our show. Uh, definitely someone I would highly advise uh, to hitting up on your stuff as well. But uh, so what do you recommend, what do you recommend in there um, for, uh, for fungus gnats uh, when people come in? Okay, so are you familiar with the amazing Dr. Enzymes? Yep, Dr. Zymes, yep. Uh, do you know what exactly it is about that? Is it just because it, it's a it is enzyme and it doesn't leave any residual on, on people that might have to use it in flour? I mean, I had one customer that had really bad PM, and he told me he, he told me he did a pretty concentrated uh, wash using that and was able to get most of it off in an emergency situation at least. Um, and I was just always curious of what exact how it was able to do that, not really leave residual. So it's a, it's like water, yeast, citric acid, are all potassium, the potassium sorbate was one of the other ones. That's the one in one of the minor ones. I remember that. That's right. So all of your main enzyme sprays are basically slightly different variations or concentrations of those, you know, four or five different things. Um, you know, so the reason there's no oils in it is probably the biggest reason why, <clears throat> um, you know, it's able to evaporate off. Um, so I've used it uh, here. I don't use it late in flour, really. Um, <clears throat> but that's more just a personal choice than anything. So, um, but I, I've used it with pretty good success. It's probably the highest concentration. Um, of all of the major enzyme sprays that I've worked with. So like big time enzyme, uh, Nukem from Flying Skull and uh, Dr. Zymes are all the, the same basic recipes, but switched up a little bit. And Dr. Zymes seems to be the, the higher concentration of, of those. So uh, I says, there's a gentleman, C. Uh, Baker in chat says citric acid based product. Um, yeah, that was kind of my understanding as well, that it was kind of more of a low pH type product, um, similar to, you know, there's a couple of different low pH products that are out there. Um, um, definitely, uh, definitely one of the good ones um, for, for PM. It works great. I think a lot of people try to use it for um, things that aren't PM and don't don't have the same kind of results. Uh, I know I, I haven't had as good results with some of the other uh, insect applications that it, that we've tried it on at least. But uh, PM it does a real good job of knocking it back. Um, the other the other stuff that we're we're big fans of is um, uh, Sonata and Cease uh, for um, uh, especially a, a larger scale PM. Uh, you can use uh, both of them in flower. Um, uh, Sonata is a little bit better if you're kind of more in a late stage panic mode. Um, I also and this is just a general observation. Uh, so Sonata is Bactillus pamilus, and I've noticed that Bactillus pamilus products uh, here in Oklahoma, we seem to have a more aggressive strain of powdery mildew. Um, it seems to be more resistant to a lot of traditional um, solutions uh, or, you know, it, it still works on it, but it, you know, it can resist it longer. Um, uh, 
definitely seems to be the Bactillus pamilla seems to do a better job uh, at the more aggressive strain of PM that we get in the south. Um, and again, it, uh, New Jersey is going to have a similar climate to, to Oklahoma in terms of humidity for anyone growing outdoors. Um, might be something to, to think about uh, with the Bactillus pamillus um, uh, uh, for, for people that are struggling if their other products aren't, you know, are having luck. We, we sell the before the uh, oh God, excuse me, the uh, doctor enzymes we were, you know, typically go weeding towards a greener cleaner and they have another one, the root cleaner. It's not very microbe friendly and they're pretty uh, honest about that on the labeling. Thank goodness. Um, so I typically don't really suggest it anymore, but I do know that that shit is very effective. I had one or two customers come back and like, what the fuck is that shit? Like, I did a Hail Mary. Um, yeah, and I've noticed with pests and the doctor enzymes too, it's great to kind of fuck their day up every here and there. But if you use it constantly, it, it, even with the increases of dosages, it, it, uh, intensity, it doesn't really seem to to have a big pest uh, application despite killing, you know, the pests in their eggs, small, soft body larvae. Um, I like to use it yeah, my last spray before I release the initials. So it, it'll be like my last knockdown spray before I release, like just recently on this release, I released uh, um, some pirate bugs and some little beetles and some lace wing. So the day before I released all those, I went through and pretty good so that's usually kind of the way that that i use it i don't i don't well i don't use any sprays really consistently you know <clears throat> so i tried to stick with most of the beneficials uh yeah so uh I, I, like i said I, i've used it in a similar manner you know if we're going to switch stuff between rooms or brought it in from another room or something like that you know doing it as a, a, a quick cleanse uh, in between like you're saying the uh, uh, I think or it works great. Yeah, yeah, or or something like to spray on your clones, especially before sale. You know, just hit them one last time before they go out the door. Uh, you know, just on a CYA kind of thing. <laughs> I'm a big fan of dipping instead. With anything that's that small, you know, like sprays, there's just a chance that you'll miss something, and if you dip it, it's just submerged. <laughs> Steve's a chew toy over there, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm a big fan of dipping any any small plant, and even with Dr. Enzymes, I I find it's more efficient too. Like you know, you know, spraying you tend to waste a lot. So anything that's small enough to dip, I'm usually a fan of just submerging it for you know 10 seconds or so, giving it a good swirl. But um, I, I do think it's effective. But just like anything else, you gotta you know, I'm always a big advocate of of testing using a microscope and you know, making sure that the bugs are dying with what you're treating with. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time and probably spreading bugs around and making it worse. So if what you're treating with is not actually killing your insects. You're just probably walking around using your wand to spread more bugs around everywhere else. So before you start, just, you know, test it on, on some insects and use your microscope uh, to make sure that they're actually dying when you spray them. And then you'll make sure that you're not making things worse instead of better. I I got a lot of first timers that see bugs in their garden and they will, I shit you're not, they'll, they'll come in the next day and be like, what do I need to buy to kill that spider? Is it a spider mite? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, did you see it? It wasn't a spider mite if you saw it. No, it had eight legs. Okay. Well, don't worry. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> like, um, yeah, go find he, some more. Bring them. 
<laughs> yeah. Even in the context of, of some small, you know, smaller critters in the soil, like people will think there's spider mites living or, or something, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, everybody's a beginner, everybody learns, but um, identifying the pest first properly is something I, I, I have to really emphasize because a lot of people, they'll start to see bugs and a lot of newbies, I should say, they'll start to see bugs and they just start shitting their pants. They don't know how to deal with it. They don't know what the fuck it is. And they automatically assume it's bad. I think the number one thing I think people panic on are springtails. I think I've had more people come to call and show me a picture and be like, I have mites! It's the springtail, it's fine. Yeah, I get messages a lot of people thinking they have the aphids and they're, they're just springtails. So definitely, I, definitely that one. Yeah, not to necessarily switch back to Dr. Enzas, but are, are you guys, have you ever talked to them? Have you ever called in their customer rep line? Because they always have this, they must be like a really small company, a family something. But I, I've asked, I've had some weird questions that I've had to confirm with them. Um, and you know, they've said some pretty wild shit. Like, uh, you know, they, they had some people use it to treat athlete's foot, foot fungus, uh, uh, mites and funguses on pets is a common thing. Um, and, and it's apparently almost completely universal aside from digestion, of course. Um, and, and what they'll tell you is just whatever you're treating, don't get it in its eyes. And that's the same thing that applies for human beings. It's like the only thing that you could do wrong with that product is get it in your eyes or something else's eyes. But anything else, it's only going to help. Probably, I would assume. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've heard some pretty cool stories about them. And, you know, the, the, their fucking logo is, their theme is Garden Naked. I mean, come on, come the fuck on. I mean... But anyway, enough about them. Um, Too allergic to trichomes to do that. I'd be so itchy. <laughs> um, so, uh, so what are some of the other common problems you're seeing aside from uh, aside from those? It's really overwatering. That that's number one. Um, overwatering and overtending. You know, overtending, including feeding, pruning, and training specifically. Uh, people are just anxious to get really good and do what they see. I think I feel like on IG, um, you know, it's it's you kind of got to calm them down a little bit and say, watch the plant grow naturally first. You know, because it's all about. Oh, I try to emphasize it's all about identifying the shifting of the life cycles, depending on the phenos and yada yada yada. Just really more so listening. Uh, than speaking with the nutrients in the watering can, um, and it's like it's it's it, like it's crazy. It's like people will grow for so long over watering and, and doing the finger trick. I'm I'm be, I'm anti finger trick. Like I get, I hear about it all the time in the shop. And I'm so, like, just so look, explain look. that because a lot of people swear by that. So explain it to people why you don't like that. I don't like it, even when using cloth pots or air pots, and specifically speaking from a beginner's perspective, because it's 90% of what I deal with, is a lot of people will put the finger in the top six inches of like a five gallon pot to identify the moisture level. But what happens winding up, especially with the new grower that's watering every other day, is, is that that bottom six inches of the pot winds up being constantly moisture, and then inevitably goes anaerobic, switching up the pH. 
and then the a new grower sees deficiencies happening and thinks it's because the plants are hungry and it's just a vigorous cycle of repetition um like i literally can't tell you how many times i've been asked should i be watering every two days um uh, like a gallon at a time too so it's it's just I, I've gotten to the point where actually I defer to the blue mats now for beginners, uh, despite the kind of tricky, not tricky, but arduous and set up. I feel like once you set them up, it kind of takes the human air out of watering. So I've been kind of banking on that lately and it's been making my life easier. Um, and that's been having me focus on the living soil aspect of the growing for beginners because then in a sense the microbes will feed the plant and the blue mats will water the plant and it'll make it almost in a sense like foolproof um not foolproof because it's never foolproof but easier uh because it takes just human the human error out you know typically i got new beginners uh, doing living soil, and we just kind of feed them microbes, sugar, I'm sorry, sugars, use some humics here and there. And, you know, a lot of the, the tip, I sell a lot of the, the coast of Maine living soil specifically. Have you guys fucked with any of, the, any of that by any chance? No, we're, we're both uh, west of the Mississippi. At least I, I haven't. Maybe Marty has. No, no. I, most of this, it's so easy to source things in Oregon. It's really sort of stupid. Um, <laughs> We have like down to earth, for instance, is right out of Eugene up here. So, you know, like, and they're right here locally. I just bought some soil from the local uh, co-op store that was actually really great. It's all natural, organic, and <clears throat> very. Uh, it's a, a very good mix and came out great. So, just an abundance of growing resources on the west coast compared to the east. It's not even fair. I had another guy, a lot of the times at the coast of Maine around like day, you know, if you're not feeding heavy on the sugars and stuff, or not even, uh, if you're not feeding at all, typically around 30 to 45 days, you start to lose a lot of nitrogen and calcium. And they have a flowering organic dry additive, a fishbone meal. That's a, a, a 513, 18% calcium as well. Um, to help through the flowering end of things. And, uh, you know, I, I have another buddy that runs the M3, uh, the Michigan 3. That's another living soil brand out here. And he was saying he can do water only for almost the full cycle. So um, I'm, I'm trying to really get a gauge on the coast of Maine specifically as a living soil, generally speaking. It's definitely a question I have is, is and maybe you guys have opinions on it, why do people want to just add water? Uh, to me, it's like uh, giving up control to the to the soil and, and trusting that everything's going to go perfect. And I think that uh, me personally likes to fine tune and screw with stuff, but I can see the the benefit of simplicity. But uh, it's just always something that always seemed kind of strange to me. Yeah, I, for me, I I'm just guessing, I guess, but. Um... I would say probably just the ease of it to not have to feed anything, measure anything. Like you just put it all in the pot and water it until it's done. Um, and uh, even on the commercial side, you know, I could see that both on the home grow and the commercial side being 
attractive. Um, and, and I end up somewhere down the middle, you know, like I dose, you know, just a few times at the beginning flower. Um, but other than that, you know, pretty much everything else gets mixed in the soil layer of my dual root zone pot. And then I, I top feed it, you know, two or three times over its entire cycle. So it's a, you know, somewhere in between. I've done it other ways too. Like when I first started doing aquaponics without dual root zone, I was feeding like, you know, three to four times a week, especially in, in heavy flower all the way up until like week five or six when I was sort of tapering off. So it just kind of, <clears throat> uh, especially in aquaponics where at least in, in our water system, we have to keep a relative amount of, uh, of potassium and phosphorus um, so that our fish stay healthy, <laughs> don't die. So uh, if we don't have a dual root zone layer, we have to feed more often. Um, but in a dual root zone where we can keep it up and separate, then we can um, have heavier concentrations so we don't have to feed as often. So I feel like there's trade-offs and imbalance. Like I know Steve feeds his on a, on a more, uh, let's say, measured in regular feeding schedule than I feed mine as in top dressing whenever I have time <coughs> um, within certain windows. Uh, but uh, so there's definitely different ways of doing it. But um, I, I think that the, as far as the just adding water part of it, um, it's attractive because it, it's, it's easy and simple. And then you also get the, the crowd, you know, oh, well, all of the, all the world grows with just rainwater naturally. So we should be able to just water soil and, and have it work if we do it right. Um, so so that, that's why I think the, the water only crowd is sort of a conglomeration of all of those things. And uh, I'm not against it. it it's not, uh, you know, I don't think it's a bad philosophy to go by. And people will have a, a lot of luck with it once they master exactly what you're talking about, which is, you know, how often to, to water and when, um, especially when you have like, varying humidity in your grow room um, it can be tough to really identify you get used to doing it on the schedule and then as your humidity changes or, or varies you can um, or your lighting schedule changes you'll find that you know, you'll be retaining water longer um, and different things can change so it's one of the things I love about dual root zone is you know I water a plant twice in its entire life um, once I set it into the aquaponic system, it just takes up as much water as it wants to. So really I only have to water it <clears throat> long enough for it to grow all the way down <clears throat> through the pot and take up water from the system below. So about two, one to two waterings, some plants that are larger when they come out only require one watering and then eventually they'll just take up water from the system. So again, great for home growing and uh, commercial growing because you don't have to train people on how to water, which is arguably one of the more difficult things to be able to master. So, I I've tend to notice, and I you know, mind you, we are like the pretty. There's a there's two other shops in New Jersey. One of them doesn't really deal with residential hobbyists or starters, and and the other ones in Philly um, is pretty much right over the uh, river. So really, really the only uh, hydro shop when you even Google hydro shops in New Jersey and what I'm just getting is I deal with a lot of first timers. And at first I used to try to suggest what I thought would be the best way for them. But then I really just wound up being like, okay, soil hydro, you know, um, 
you soil do you, are your is your focus on quantity or you know if you choose a soil question you're honestly focused on quality as opposed to quantity with hydroponically um but past that the question is do you want to do this a lot or do you want this to be like kind of easy and kind of take you know, uh, a less uh, intimate path when it comes to growing. Uh, some people, they either they're really busy with work and they don't have a couple hours or even an hour a day. You know, they, they were and, and I'll pretty much squeeze like, look, you got to get your head in there a couple times a day, regardless. You know, the more, you know, if you're not going to be in there a lot. But um, but then on the same breath and it's not like it's like 80 percent, 20 percent one way or the other. It's pretty evenly distributed. Um, as far as like who wants, uh, as for many people that get in, into it uh, intensely and people that get into it casually, um, and typically speaking, I mean, with and if you, if a lot of guys get into it casually, they start to get more and more passionate about it, um, just because it's the majestic process of growing that plant. Something about it therapeutic wise and and that's what i tend to notice keeps like it's the yeah having the the medicine at the end result is great but it's weird because i see people fall more in love with the process than the product and it's uh it's makes it pretty uh uh pretty comforting <laughs> otherwise it would just be like you know just fucking selling products but uh it's nice because it's I see a lot of new beginners finding relief. It's therapeutic or or, or uh, mentally or physically. It's it's cool. A personal oh, yeah. preference. Nothing quite like plant therapy for sure. It's also reminding me of uh, I don't know if you guys saw this week's Hamilton Pharmacopia, but uh, they had a that was quite the interesting one where it's like, is, is, it, is it more addictive to make it or to smoke it? And it's like. I won't, I won't get into the drug that was on it because I don't want this episode to get flagged. But if you guys aren't a fan of Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia, what the hell are you doing? Go go out there immediately and go watch that after this episode because it's literally the best show on earth. I was just like, it's on season three. I was just about to say, you better be careful. We don't want to get flagged. Yeah, no, we're not. We're not. Yeah, we're not gonna. We're not gonna mention that. What the what the surprise is? You guys can go watch it, but uh, it's quite interesting. But they had a very similar similar thing about people getting addicted to the process more than the actual uh, final creation. In, in the last three years, we've tended to really kind of pick up on when we get influxes of new growers. And despite what's going on legally, it seems to be more of a cultural shift. Um, the more and more they discuss it in the media, and it becomes access, acceptable culturally in New Jersey because this is all pretty radical shit for New Jersey. I know you guys have been chilling out there for a while, but um, the more and more it gets uh, culturally accepted, the more and more people start to feel comfortable because, you know, everybody has been in New Jersey waiting for a long time, you know, and uh, we tend to see that there's demographics from all ages evenly distributed i really shit you not and uh it's interesting also like uh, for lack of better analogy high school click demographics like nerds jocks uh you know yada 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 all those different variances it's pretty cool um from a personal perspective being able to watch it kind of evolve and see how 
you know, uh, certain, you know, plants can fucking medicine can help us all, culturally speaking, bringing us together. Yeah, just, you know, the community on top of it. I mean, there's so many fun things about growing to start with. First of all, it smells great. You know, it looks great, tastes great. You know, especially if you're a, a connoisseur, like there's no better medicine than your own. Like, and, and that's just, um, but it's then you have, you know, the, the ritualistic aspect of, you know, figuring out what your schedule is and, you know, sort of being in charge of everything from beginning to end and getting a harvest, you know, like just, you know, I think there's something about, uh, you know, doing it all yourself and then, then consuming it. It's not that much different than growing a really good tomato and then eating it. Um, I think it's, you know, pretty similar except for it, you know, like uh, the medicinal value of the cannabis is much more immediate than the homegrown tomato, but arguably pretty good as well. Uh, so, but that's kind of the similarities that I draw in it. Um, so, and I find it fun to, to grow in a lot of different ways. Like I don't just do aquaponics, like I talked about on here before. I like doing, you know, messing with like sub-irrigated planters or raised beds or culture beds or different ways of growing because it's fun and you can see how, you know, the plants grow differently. And then cannabis, you have all the different variations of, of strains, you know, seeing them grow differently and smell differently and, um, you know, have different growth patterns or some of them will respond better to being trained in certain ways better. Like uh, I've grown this same strain called Thorsberry a couple of different times now, and it's probably by far the most efficient plant I've grown to a scrog net and that, you know, it'll lay out and just fill out a net really nice. Whereas like uh, Snowman or some of the other ones, some of the OGs that I've grown, um, you can train them to a net, but they don't, they, you know, they still don't really fill it out and, and get as bushy in the same way. So seeing all those little differences in, in how they all grow um, it is super fun. And if you've never done a phenotype hunt, that's really cool too, when you have a whole bunch of different phenos of the same strain. So, <clears throat> you know, you sprout a hundred different seeds of the same uh, the same strain and see all the variations of each one of those seeds, even though they're the same strain, they can all be, you know, they're all going to be slightly different and selecting the ones you want. It's just a fun process to go through and and getting the, the flower at the end and seeing variations in those. And it's just a, uh, um, you can really go as deep as you want to. If you just want to throw out some seeds and grow some stuff and smoke it and be content with that, you're good there, but it's a rabbit hole. You can go down if you want to, you know, just have fun with, uh, with the community. We'll be happy to share with you. You can generally find, you know, people that are, you know, doing the same thing and want to talk about it and, um, enjoy it. We'll share with you half the time. We'll give you some take home. <clears throat> you know, it's a very, um, uh, it's a very open community and that's what, that's what I really like about it. Yeah. What I'm seeing a lot of guys getting on recently too, is, um, like the octopod systems, the underpod systems and stuff like that. I'm not actually about to get some, you know, because I haven't done a, a really a dual roads um, since I was doing aquaponics. And, you know, I, one guy in particular, it's funny because he started out, he ran nectar 
um, with some pretty good soil. And he did the whole regimen, the Bible and everything and did astronomically well on his first grow with a couple thousand waters. And um, then he started getting heavy handy, heavy handed on the newts. He started kind of leaving sorts. He went through uh, a phase with heavy 16. Uh, then he went through a phase with I had a bunch of house and garden laying around the shop and he, he, he really did well with that, but he was still way too salty and not enough microbes. Um, even in like a, a more soil like media, I think this is when he started running the nectar soil, which if you guys don't know, is like pretty much like fucking pro mix. There's nothing in it. Um, right. And uh, then he fell back on the nectar soil with uh, a heavy micro formula and then he he came back on the salts like 75 percent and then he was able to get to like his first initial nectar grow quality again and um so what i'm starting to see is he's the first guy that or the first customer i should say gave me a really phenomenal sample with using some salts Granted, in a very dialed back sense, but it kind of, you know, a lot of new growers, when we do the soil and hydro talk, it's like you're either going to grow for yields or you're going to grow for quality. Um, so you might start well if your soil and your green is grass and you've never popped beans before. And then kind of the finesse is using a lot of the bioactivators and goodness, microbes, stuff like that to uh, get the yields up with the quality as well, obviously. Um, and then from there, most growers just go fucking buck wild. They're like you mentioned, Marty, before they're down the rabbit hole. I think that's what I'm going to call my new like stream series or something, because that's what I, I love to warn new growers. When they got like their whole 10 kit on the counter and they're like, oh, man, you know, my homie's going to give me some beans and blah, 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 blah. They're so fucking excited. I'm like, all right, all right, don't overwater. <laughs> And take it fucking easy because you're gonna love this. It's gonna it, it's gonna help everything. And and then they come back a couple weeks, and they're like, yeah, this shit's I'm done. And I'm like, I know uh, it takes one to know one, you know, kind of shit. And you're probably gonna spend five times as much as you think you're going to right now. <laughs> like that's probably what's gonna happen. I'm just gonna be real. <laughs> I'm sure the YouTube said it was only gonna be 200 bucks, but guess what? It's not. <laughs> you know what I mean. <clears throat> you're gonna find something. Oh, you just you you run into stuff and you learn and you accidentally your kid decides he wants to try and put strawberries at the base of your plant and you learn that the uh, the commercial name for for spider mite the commercial brand name for spider mites at the store is strawberry starts and uh, then you have to learn how to do that. <laughs> I mean, we talked about that regularly on the show is uh, how much people bring home from Lowe's and Home Depot and, and when they, they think they can stuff in some plants from, from other places that are from a nursery and they would absolutely think to quarantine clones from say another cannabis grow but they think that because they bought it from the grocery store that they can just plop it right in their grow and that's something that you know we certainly hear, hear regular issues that I'm sure you have in, uh, issues like that as well We yeah, I kind of tell the fucking newbies the whole Kevin Costner spiel. Like if you if you grow it, they will come. Especially if you're gonna stuff a whole bunch of plants in a small tent, which is a typical first timer. I can't tell you how many times I've I've said like like please when 
one one plant per you know two or four square feet or what two square feet like just take it just like you know and 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 the tent, all the tent kits they 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 package those systems up with four pots on that picture so when people see it initially their first time they're like i can grow four plants in those four pots like you know i'm sorry i deal with it a lot um but yes that it's like you and, and all commercial settings whether it's a cannabis farm or a nursery at home depot if you stuff enough plants in a small enough space they will come so that's it's funny i just i try to preach preventative ipm practices because that's the only thing that keeps you from like that oh fuck you moment like you know um even when i uh kind of that oh fuck moment like when i get a lot of guys that want to start hydro they're like i can i can do it i can stretch a res for two three weeks and i'm like you can but you gotta manage that ph and some people are like oh what do you mean manage the ph i don't know how to do that that's too hot you know and i'm like all right well if you if you're if if, if it's not seem if it could be too much you know just do the res swap once a week and you'll run advanced nutrients auto pound be at balance your ph pretty well for seven to days before it starts to get a little swingy um, and some people just love hearing that. They're like, okay, I just got to do it once a week. And if they say, well, can I stretch the res? I said, absolutely. Like, you know, there, there's a couple of reasons why people do replenish the res weekly. And let's just say a DWC five gal specifically. Um, and if you don't want it, you don't have to. The plant's still going to be okay. Um, oh, fuck. But uh, if you if you don't manage that pH and you're going out the door Wednesday morning when you're going to work or school or whatever or some other responsibility and you notice the garden's out of whack, do you, are you going to have that, that 20 minutes, a half an hour to swap that five gal? Um, and a lot of people hearing that reason, they kind of like, OK, well, I don't want to be caught off guard. I don't want to have problems. So I'll just do the preventative maintenance, even with swapping reses and stuff. It's interesting, you know, it all goes back to per people's personal flavors and shit. And it's at the point where I don't even try to judge it anymore. I'm just like, yo, these are your options. You know, let me know. You know, there's too many of them, so I'm going to try to keep them simple. But, um, you know, and inexpensive yeah. because of that hey, 5Gs. Whatever's possible. <laughs> I, I think I mentioned to you guys previously before we went live that I spent five G's on my first, you know, little tiny little crate set up. And it was uh, something that I still like, like, ah, think about. So I, I try to help people not make that that mistake, too. I've been having good success with little, little uh, first time growers, the little HLG 65 little Watt Quantum boards, like 100 bucks. You know, a bag of soil, 25 bucks. You know, most people have pots and stuff like that. And I've noticed with beginners too, sometimes tents aren't the best option, especially if, if they have a room that they can just hang a little 65 water in. It's never going to cause these problems. And sometimes people will they'll still want that tent just because what they saw and, uh, and it gets too hot and they start having issues and so on and so forth. So, so what uh, cultivars are, are really uh, popular out there in New Jersey? That's something that we don't know hardly anything about here on the show. Uh, and when you start getting into right. Massachusetts and Maine, uh, and or really any other states than New Jersey specifically, um, there aren't really many in Jersey, honestly. Um, a lot of the facilities 
are even running like beans. People are getting off seedsmen's and stuff. There's like, there's not even really good commercial. Well, no, there's a couple. No, there's there's one, but I'm not even sure if he hunted all of his phenos. He just opened up recently um, in, in northern Jersey. Um, not a lot of good. I mean, there's some there's some OG growers, some guys that have been doing it for a while. Um, and the most like local strain that I've seen on as a turnpike 95 and stuff like that. A lot of, again, a lot of Maine and mass strains, but not too many coming straight out of Jersey. And I'm not huge on hunting anymore, especially since I started the business because I just haven't had a lot of good time. Um, so I don't know a lot of, about the northern northeast part of the, the coast, but in Jersey, it's you have a lot of pop-up IG breeders, uh, which is kind of concerning because I'm worried uh, that the gene pool is going to get a little tainted. Um, and I mean, there's like a lot, four or five of them that are that are actively promoting and selling seeds online that are customers that are like, oh yeah, I'm doing all this out of my four by four learning how to grow. And it's just like, wait, what? Um, so be careful. <laughs> you know, it was different five to 10 years ago when there was a few breeders, notorious breeders out there, but I feel like now there, there are a lot. And, and I don't know much about the West Coast. Um, you know, the biggest ones, I would say the ones I hear the most about are definitely Capulator. Um, he's got like everybody on IG from what I can tell. A lot of people are familiar with them. They're, they're, they're familiar with the Mac one. Um, and that's really about it. Some people are familiar with guys like Justin Cron, but it's mostly like businesses because we don't have that, that, that old family in a sense over here. We really don't there's a lot of people that come over and i'm starting to see a lot of people coming over from out west because jersey is going to be like the new you know wild wild east um but it's 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 interesting i mean in some of the professional levels that i've dealt with it's easy it even seems like the out-of-state conglomerates on this large scale don't really have it locked down on, on, on specifically a scale of production. Um, and it baffles me because I'm homies with a lot of the employees in these facilities. And they, you know, they come to me with a lot of the problems they're having. We do commercial consulting and stuff like that, IPM specifically a lot. Um, and it's a lot of times, well, mo most of the jobs we've gotten is because the grower, the, the homies come in that, that actually work with the plants and they suggest it to the management. Um, and it's weird because you think, well, I, I actually, I would think that these big mega conglomerates, some of them Canadian based, some of them Cali based, some of them multi-state operational, you think they'd have this shit together after all the billions of dollars they've thrown at it to get all these fucking licenses and stuff. But um, a lot of the operating six facilities that initially started with Christie, I would say at least four of them wound up firing their head grower every year. Um, oh, you know, I should be careful. Um, but yes, production has been a big issue in New Jersey specifically, and hence why the patient market is so under, uh, 
is so underprovided for and any expansion of the recreational market would would essentially be insulting to the patients um, when they first announced after the vote and everything that they were planning on working on the rec market they uh, they a lot of people patients specifically called into their policymakers and said look if you don't fucking put home grow on this like you're fucking fired uh, it's the first time ever in the last three years that I've been, you know, kind of paying attention to this, that uh, I've I've actually felt like the policymakers felt the heat of the general public. And a lot of people are saying that that is potentially why they dropped cybacillin on everybody when they were supposed to announce the rec market for the first time in January, uh, uh, of, of like a, about a month ago. Um, and that's the first thing that held everything up, that it was taxes and it was all this other stuff. But a large majority, I'm told, is because of the pressure the general, the patients put on the people. Because if you can't, if the people can't get their medicine now, I mean, it's, it, it, I, I, I'm not even a patient in the state legally. And I find it fucking offensive that they get brought in this. Anyway, that's too much in my opinion. Um, Are you sure that part of the shortage wasn't that Chris Christie ate all the edibles? <laughs> interesting uh uh interesting it's a, it, it's a know, just, just to give you guys a little concept why you know, when christy put this together uh one of the original licenses he gave out was uh to a uh, russian organization and it was his intentional purpose to give it to them so they would fail and make it look bad and pull the whole fucking thing uh so it's really kind of weird you know i i know I know that when Cali started making changes, a lot of the policy, and this was a long time ago, even uh, a lot, not policymakers, but a lot of people that were conscious of cannabis as a medicine and wanted to kind of reflect those changes here and government, you know, organizations or so on and so forth have been really pushing on this and trying to really prepare for it. Um, because it's inevitable. It's always been inevitable ever since, you know, uh, out, the ball got rolling out West. Um, and it, the more and more I, I look at it, the more and more it seems like it, it's, uh, they're just trying to figure out what the fuck they want to do, you know, get, getting as much, uh, control obviously as possible for themselves and constituents and stuff like that. And that's been holding things up. But now with the re-election coming up, they have to get things done if they want to be re-elected specifically to have their hands in the uh, money pot for the next four years. So that's the only real reason that I feel like home growth for patients is on the horizon in New Jersey. It's the only way they can dissipate that heat while providing getting the rec market and, you know, what they really want. you know, it's, it's, they're, they're, they've been doing a lot of stalling lately, and it's looking like it could potentially be more stalling time, very specifically as far as when it's going to happen. Um, you know, it's, it seems pretty clear at this point, though, that when they do announce this big rec expansion, they're, they're at some point afterwards, they're going to, to allow patients to home grow specifically because the state is not producing and they're, they're not really, and it doesn't look like they're going to add many more grow licenses 
in this next expansion. Um, and it looks like a large majority of the bigger expansions will be coming relatively soon. I mean, there's big buyouts going on right now. I'm seeing, um, again, Canadian companies coming in and, and buying up licenses and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a even more of a, a kind of reinforcement that the, the, the rec market is going to happen soon because otherwise these Canadian companies wouldn't be investing all this money on a farm that uh, well, well yeah, they wouldn't be investing that much money. A lot of workers from New York live in New Jersey, and I think that's a large part of it. it it's interesting. The tri-state area is uh, it's an interesting place. You know, I was fortunate to get down south in Virginia for a few years and just spent some time out west, but uh, it's definitely a special place. I was born, born and raised in Philadelphia, so it was. Uh, it's really nice to have someone on from where uh, where I'm from. I'm definitely looking forward to having the first uh, aquaponic cannabis grower out there to work with uh, to to come back, and uh, I'll be sure to make sure we uh, try to do it. Where Where are you at uh, actually in the state? We're uh, exit 98 <laughs> off the Parkway, which is kind of like dead center central Jersey, um, a, a few miles off the beach. So I'm from a small uh, beach town called Manasquan, which is unfortunately about four or five miles away from the infamous Belmar, New Jersey. If you ever saw that TV show with the, the people that mind you are not from New Jersey, by the way. Um, but anyway, yes, the, I can't even think of the name. Snooki you don't sound, you don't sound bitter about that at all. No, not at all. Because you know, I, I, you know, it's there. There was a really couple of good vines. I don't know if you ever saw it, but it was like a bunch of a a bunch of guys fist pumping in a car. It's like going to Belmar in my car. And it was anyway. Vinny's new haircut, stuff like that. But anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a small beach town, and and when it gets cold, a lot of the tourists leave and stuff like that. So it's weird. New Jersey gets a, a really particularly bad image. And there are bad parts of Jersey. I'm not saying it's all fucking beaches and fucking meadows, but there are some bad parts and there are some really good parts. So. I think I think so. I used to go down to the Pine Barrens for some some uh, farm animal auctions. And I'll tell you what, like people think they've heard like Cajun and like these other things that like you know they started off as english you know many hundred years ago but it isn't anymore there's a whole pine barrens language that's like that that's like english dutch and like some other just random shit thrown in and, and if, if anyone's from you know ever been a lot of time in southern jersey they know what i'm talking about you don't hear it often but if they're like uh like some kind of like little community gathering the language changes completely to this other language that's totally inaudible to anyone from philadelphia that's for sure my girlfriend has family down there and it's like two or three families living on a commune and it's just like they just keep on building sheds and you know the family just gets bigger and bigger it's crazy the pines yeah there's some like and it's great it's great it's great country and for jersey i mean you can go west to the trail and stuff like that or you can really go south because you lord knows you can't go north for well unless you go past the city and stuff like that and then new york is beautiful you know and you guys got that Jersey devil that, that eats rippers, I hear. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty spooky. There's some like we have um a magazine called Weird New Jersey here, and every month they come out with an episode. Uh, every month they come out with a magazine, and you know it's funny. I haven't seen it in a while. I hope they're still doing it. Uh, print, you know, prints having a hard time, but uh, yeah, I mean New Jersey is fucking. It's pretty weird. There's a lot of weird ass. I mean, there's weird ass people everywhere. Don't get me wrong. Um, the only thing that's different about New Jersey specifically is we're like, we're the most condensed state out of all of them. And it's definitely true. I mean, even in, in, in the beach or the beach towns, I mean, my neighbor's houses are not more, you know, we're typically, there's not four or five feet in between them. Uh, you know, when I went out West, the two things I'll never forget were how fucking big the trees were and uh, how far the houses were apart from each other and stuff like that uh here it's it's intense it makes it difficult for a lot of growers with the odor and a lot of people are still even to this day what's interesting is the electrical company concern like i i have a lot of people that are like are they gonna are they gonna know because because i'm growing i was like uh, and unofficially speaking i mean i Unless they're stealing it, I I really I don't think any paying customers they take customers away from themselves. But a lot of misconceptions like that. I still uh, and buying seeds online or the cops gonna raid me if I buy seeds online. No, it's not you know um, and stuff like that. So what a that's a good question that we we haven't had a lot of good uh, talk on is what about smell mitigation for that that home grower uh, scale? What what type of options do you recommend? Mostly just carbon scrubbing because it's easy um, and it, it goes out a lot less often than a lot of the oils. I'm not too big on Ona personally. I know it's really good in an exhaust situation, but most of my customers are almost never in a strictly exhaust situation. I want to say about you buy that special Ona box, which attaches to your fan and stuff. Most of them just scrub the carbon and I just warn them, you know, um, when the fan turns off, there might be odor leaks. They're going to be minor, you know, nothing to really stink up a room and stuff like that, but nothing's fucking foolproof, you know, and, and if you're going to run the carbon filter and through the exhaust and out a window or something to intermittently check that because, you know, carbon filters, there's no due date on them. It's when the carbon absorbs enough odor. Yep. And then you can take it and you put it in your pond. And use it for your your pond filter <laughs> and you can take it and then you put it in your compost yeah the coast of maine that living soil company by us just started adding um biochar and stuff like that to their raised bed mixes and we're, we're starting to see that um the company coast of maine is pretty cool i will say um and, and they're spreading pretty quickly um we don't have many we, we have herb out here are, are you guys familiar with uh urb urb no it's like a humic acid and micro product and i will say it's kind of like uh when i sell the great white premium to a first-time grower as a micro product i can put I, I it's there's very few things i'll aggressively not aggressively but i'll actually push on a customer i'll be like look it's 13 bucks I shit you not. If you come back in two weeks and say you're not impressed, I'll give it, I'll give you your money back um, because it's one of those products that it gets results 
Um, and with herb specifically, it's a combination of humic acid and microbes to say whether it's the humic acid, to say whether it's a microbe is kind of like my beef with mammoth peas, specifically with the alfalfa extract and the microbes, like they don't really specify what exactly is in there. So it's well, sometimes. I can tell you, at least in aquaponics, we, we like it a lot as something that people can use, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, periodically to seed those phosphorus chelating microbes in their aquaponic system and then to help maintain those levels. Um, you know, especially when we're doing initial cycling, um, we're huge fans of it. It's one of the few things um, that I ever tested in like a lab setting that had like a pretty large difference in terms of actual tissue content. The herb's pretty thick and muddy being highly concentrated humic, but if you're, as a top dress intermittently, I mean, I'm sure you guys are using humic. Oh no, they're, they're great to complement each other. It's not a one replaces the other, they're, they work great together. That, that's one product in particular, and that's from a New Jersey company that I get a lot of great reactions from. A lot of guy time guys are really happy and they swear by it from then on that. There's been very few products that have that effect on people. Uh, so typically when I see it, I start suggesting it and uh, it winds up working out for everybody. That's awesome. Well, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to mention? Uh, what are some of the, is there anything else that are maybe some common common themes you're seeing or common trends in, in cannabis before we go? And then, uh, uh, and then what, um, how do people find you and, and, uh, you know, uh, definitely, uh, tell people how to learn more about you and your, your, you know, what you do. Generally speaking, I think the other biggest misconception question I get a lot about is how to get into the industry. I did like a session a couple of weeks where like people just kept asking. So I was like, we're doing a session. It's about industry talk. And it was pretty much just like me going through examples of other customers that has essentially been very inexperienced when it grows, when it comes to growing. Um, and they come to me and they're like, hey, should I apply for this job? And I said, what the fuck? Why not? We're not. Um, one of them wound up doing it. And now a year later, he's like third grower from the top. He's got multiple rooms and stuff. And and he kind of always says, oh, thank you so much. And I'm like, dude, I didn't do anything. Like, I literally just said, you know, I don't. Um, but uh, especially now with COVID, uh, my best advice, if you want to be a grower, just apply to all of them right now, because COVID is making staffing very difficult. Um yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at kind of communicating with the head growers and kind of set, kind of setting up an internship program potentially in the future so we could help train them and get them in there and stuff like that. But uh, for the time being, if you want to get in there, just apply. Some growers, they don't want people with experience uh, because it's like, you know, you don't have to unlearn potential bad habits and stuff like that. And a lot of home growers have a hard, well, I shouldn't say a lot of them, but some home growers have a hard time going to commercial growing because they want to baby all the plants and they don't really get the, the whole production aspect of it. And then there's kind of resentment from the management and stuff like that. That's a common problem that they deal with. Um, I'm told at least. So just apply long story short, we're suregrow.com. Our IG is probably the social media platform best to contact us. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> at suregrow hydro on IG. We're on Twitter and stuff like that and YouTube. And we're not very active, but we will be once we start streaming on all those platforms on the near future. But IG is the best place. 
We are located uh, in Ocean Township, New Jersey, to be specific. We're just north of the Asbury Circle on Route 35, right outside of the infamous Asbury Park, New Jersey. Uh, so it's pretty easy to find us. There aren't many hydro shops. So if you just Google Shore Grow Hydro and in, in New Jersey, chances are Google's going to show you us. We do our weekly live streams, grower circle sessions every Tuesday night at eight o'clock. And the topics vary. Sometimes it's just, hey, let's just all fucking just do straight Q&A. It could be anything. And it's always it's less me talking. I actually prefer not to talk on the sessions. I like to have guests. Um, if you guys would ever like to join us, please feel free. Um, a lot of uh, aquaponic growers. Uh, we used to do an aquaponic class. We're not doing it next year, but um, uh, we we love to, to to work together with you guys. Yeah, sure, man. <clears throat> All right, let's come on. It's always but, fun to go on other people's shows and be the guest for once. Yes. Yeah, it's like it's like now we get to sit here while you talk. Like you were just saying how much better it is. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's what oh, I, I love it, man. Yeah, the, the, yeah. In person, the classes are nice. And, and, and if you're really looking to get a sense of the community, the live stream and the classes more specifically, because people tend to be a little bit more comfortable face to face. The classes pre-COVID were in the 20 count. But now during COVID, we, we shut them down for a while. But now it's like 10 to 10. 10 faces at a class so it's even a little bit more intimate and i've noticed when we first started growing the veg the proportion of vegetables to to, to tomato growers was almost 50 50 three years ago believe it or not um but lately we've we've been flexing that word of mouth and um it's changed dramatically so uh, the classes are the best way to to shoot this shit with like-minded individuals as i so often like to say Sorry, I hit the wrong button there. I was trying to unmute my, my mic. Um, that's awesome. And, and you know, those local classes are a great way to, to meet local breeders to get involved with and to meet local people that can help you with, you know, local advice on things and, you know, and help build your local community because that's going to be the, your best um, point of support, especially in some of these newer markets, you know. Um, and then especially if you need to band together to go run to the state house to make sure they don't pass something stupid. Um, you know, having everyone at least on a mailing list is, is pretty good, too. Yeah, well, we're heavily involved with the grassroots community, specifically in the last three years, because when we first started opening our doors, there weren't a lot of sales. So it became like, all right, well, how do we reach the community? And the, the biggest reason that I personally want to do the classes was because for thir 13 to 14 years of my life, the number one rule in New Jersey was just simply don't tell anybody, um, which is easier said than done and uh it definitely i can't tell you how many times i will have uh uh homies or uh, come into the shop just to talk grow because they still feel that way and they just haven't been able to talk to anybody about it and that's exactly how the fuck i felt for so long so that's what's really the classes are really about because it's tough to even you know, even contextually speaking, even uphold one's uh, vocabulary at live streaming in a state that's not necessarily legal. And, and, and a month or two, I, I mean, even putting saying the word cannabis list the logo in the background would have scared the shit out of me just because there's there's so much evolved risk wise um, to, you know, educating people like this. But we're just talking about tomatoes. So it's all good, you know. 
I remember that was when I lived on the East Coast out in Philadelphia. Um, we used to love going to Montreal for that reason. We could go up there and, you know, I remember summer of legalization was 2004 and uh, everything flew for a little while up there. And uh, it was just a nice place. You could go up to the high time shops and buy your seeds and come home and, you know, allegedly and have a, a nice little uh, uh, setup going. So, but, uh, you know, you couldn't tell anybody, you know, once you got home, you know, that was the thing. But it's nice to be able to, to have these community groups. I know there's one out here. Uh, they're starting um, a nearby that we'll be uh, participating in and, and trying to help educate. And I know there's a, a, a one in Tulsa that we've been on, uh, or I've been on lately. Um, they have a Zoom group because of the COVID stuff. So they just meet on Zoom now. Uh, and, uh, you know, kind of neat to, to see everybody still kind of trying to keep the education going despite the, the craziness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, the, uh, I've been, Fuck, what the fuck was I just gonna say? Oh, sorry, YouTube. Um oh, there's been one brief I have been been messing with a lot lately out of out of Vancouver. Um, and it was just kind of very serendipitous. One of my customers been uh and this guy he's not official or anything, he's essentially a backyard breeder. But I've been talking to him about what he's been doing with autoflowers recently and how he's been breeding them. That's been kind of interesting. I'm seeing a lot of new beginners like autoflowers. Um uh, and I, I don't really push them away from it. I think it's a good way to learn really quickly. The first time is kind of going to be painful in a sense for most first timers. So if you can get it over in 80 days, it's way better than, uh, you know, 120 or 160. Uh, uh, but that's just my two cents. Um, but yeah, those are getting more and more popular. I feel like if I'm not mistaken, out West, autoflowers still aren't necessarily accepted, generally speaking, in the community yet. Yeah, so here's the issue is, is that one, um, I have to buy seeds from somebody each time. So people don't like that people Two, as a commercial producer, unless I have ultra stable genetics, it doesn't make sense from a commercial standpoint, because um, the stability of those genetics, you know, is is not, you know, there are some exemptions, but it's not to where I can buy acres worth of seed, right? And it's all going to be fine. Um, they just don't have those down. It's not that stable yet, um, uh, generally speaking. Um, so, you know, from a commercial standpoint, it doesn't have a whole lot of value in that in that realm. So, but from a, a standpoint of a newer grower, uh, I know Jeff Lowenfell has a wonderful book if you're familiar with uh, teaming with microbes or teaming with um, nutrients or teaming with fungi. He has a great book about um, uh, how to uh, uh, do autoflowers and. Um, uh, and why they're you know really good for kind of mom and pop people that haven't grown in 30 or 40 years or ever grown cannabis before. And um, they're often, you know, and, and when I teach aquaponic classes, they're great for, for people that just want to throw something in next to their tomatoes. They already have their aquaponics set up for their vegetables at 16 hours or 14 hours. Most of them are at 16 hours anyway. Um, so they can just toss it in there with their dual root zone pot, stick it in the bed, you know, make sure that it's you know, got some feed, you know, germinate it right in there and, and let it rip. You know, so from that standpoint, it makes life a lot easier. But, um, you know, the the genetics really have, you know, maybe just the last two years, year and a half, two years, really been to where they're, you know, stabilized and exceptional enough for people to want to grow them. There's a lot of people kind of in the smaller breeder space that are doing it. Uh, I've seen some pretty large ones, you know, people pulling down, you know, over a pound on a on an auto, but um, they're not 
common, right? So they're, they're su super rare. Um, and then, you know, not a lot of people understand how to, you know, they can be stressed out a little easier. Um, you'll always do well, but they're not always going to do perfect. Um, you know, they are a little bit more finicky sometimes. Um, uh, also can tend to hermaphrodite a little bit more because a lot of the genetics are, are very pigeonholed, right? They're very, uh, not a lot of genetic diversity in, in a lot of them. So um, that's, that's some of the other issues. You have the similar issues with CBD, right? And a lot of the CBD stuff is pretty not diverse genetically, right? So um, you have similar issues. Uh, with those uh, CBG, you know, cultivars are, are again another one. There's just not a lot of diversity yet, and it's causing problems. I feel like there's there's just a lack of due diligence on the back breeding. When I talked to the Vancouver guy about how he does his autoflower genetics, it was really kind of interesting. You know, he 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 specifically mentioned doing about three three grows of back breeding before he'll take that you know third variety and then flower seed them out and then like you mentioned there's there's never going to be that genetic stability with auto flowers I, I shouldn't say never but at least not for another fucking you know a while wow. you know considering it took what five to ten years just for them to get stabilized to the point where you know i mean i have some i have some newbies and i mean that pulling you know, on their first run, anywhere from like three to four, getting up the potential up to six to eight. I got some hydro guys pulling, um, like, for example, DWC five gallon, a two by four with like maybe like even a couple hundred watts of light, not even a lot LED that are still pulling off of eight ounces off of some plants. And I think it's really I know this guy specifically. He just he. um I can't remember exactly if it's the male or the female that he keeps back cross. It's a photo female, but it's just, you know, it's, it's a blue whale if I'm not mistaken, cause it's fast flowering and it's heavy yielding. And then he'll take like more like um, Mephisto's AVT or Colorado cookies or Dutch passion, all these other popular strains and back breed them with the white well photo. Um, okay. It's driving me nuts. If um yeah and that's how he essentially is able to produce seeds and you know since he's a backyard breeder he hooks my buddy up pretty inexpensively to the point where it's like no different than a clone and a cut um uh it's uh, I, I don't know i'm interested to see where it goes because to me autos are kind of like leds when they first came out they were really bad at first but then they got you know better and better and better and you know, who knows it could potentially be the future i mean no no it's never gonna place photos excuse me what am i saying well i could also see the government you know only allowing and this is going to be me and i've said this for years conspiracy theory steve uh uh the government saying all right well everyone can only grow ruderalis at home now uh, you know, and then, you know, taking that away from, from people so that they can regulate it and tax it. And, you know, they, I could see some governments doing that, you know. I feel like <laughs> going down the, the fucking rabbit hole, I mean, even like apple trees, like you can't take, and most fruit from back in the day when it was like a super luxury and, you know, there were definitely people that wanted to control them. You know, for some reason, all these seeds are uh, genetically, for some genetic reason, all these seeds are not, uh, you know, but viable. That's, that's been a long running thing with apples. Almost all, all apples are grown from scions because the, uh, the uh, you know, notorious instability with the, uh, 
the the seeds you can grow uh you know every single seed that comes off of an apple tree and every single one will be a different pheno is it the same with like avocados and citruses and stuff like that too is yeah, that what it is their 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 dna base is huge uh, uh it, it's a lot of certain trees are like that there's a lot of trees that are like that that are just have immense variety and and it's just it's for defense against um you know think about it evolutionarily right if it if it's that diverse like it doesn't give a shit if it doesn't taste good to you right like it just wants to survive and make sure that like whatever of the hundred plagues that are going to come through it's 200 and some year lifetime uh it can survive so that that's why it you know it benefits it evolutionarily to have an immense amount of diversity especially for something that's a longer living uh, organism um it would very much benefit it to 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 have that kind of diversity on a genetic level just evolutionarily it makes a lot of sense Oh, just yeah. suck for us as people who enjoy the fruit. We gotta just clone the ones that we find that taste good. That's why you know Johnny Appleseed's responsible for so many different seeds because he planted like you know 130 million seeds or some ridiculous amount, right? So like eight or twelve of them are good, right? So like, there you go. Right? Or, you know, I'm sure those numbers are wrong, but that's the generally like the whole deal with with Johnny Appleseed, right? It was just the fact that he's sure he just planted so many that. You know, a lot of them also were responsible for your your standard cider apples. Now, um, were also uh, ones that came from Johnny Appleseed, um, which is uh, pretty funny. Uh, so, if you're a big fan of like Angry Orchard or anything like that, uh, you got him to thank. So, sounds about right, <laughs> genetically speaking, and hunting and stuff like that. I feel like yeah, just the better the odds, the better the chance. You know. All right. Well, uh, I know it's getting quite late there out on the East Coast, so I'll, I'll, I'll cut you loose. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, I'll definitely be sure to try and look you up when I'm out that way. Uh, uh, I do end up on the East Coast now and then. Hells yeah. Yeah. Especially down by the beach. Let me know. Absolutely. Heck yeah. Come up there in the summertime. I haven't been to, been to the down the shore in quite a while. <laughs> nice. Nice. The shore. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh <laughs> You know, here uh, we call it the beach specific. Yeah, you know, I'm sure, you know, uh, it's a lot of the people from up north that call it the shore. But my partner insisted, and I, you know, of course, I wasn't going to say shit. So it, it, it's, uh, it is, uh, yeah, we could definitely chill. Uh, just let me know. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks again. Hells yeah. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, yeah, anytime, brother. Sweet. All right. Well, that was uh, really cool. And uh, so, uh, one last thing: uh, what is your your uh, your website and uh, Instagram again? Before we before we go, let you go. It's a uh, Uh You can click the shop. See what we have in the inventory and stuff. The learning center is on the on the first page. If you're curious about, um, I got a couple of really good IPM posts and shit up there, cloning, decent posts and stuff, but you can check it out. Uh, and the IG is at uh, Shoregrow Hydro, no spaces, no nothing. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll catch you later, brother. Cheers. Appreciate it. Alrighty. That was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, if you guys um, uh, don't know, I'm from from the East Coast, so it was really cool to have uh, 
a fellow East Coaster on the show. We haven't had a chance to really talk about that market yet. So uh, it was really neat. Um, uh, next week, we have um, uh, Coughing with Canna Queen. She's a uh, Oklahoma um, uh, woman um, uh, cannabis podcaster. She does a lot of uh, women's cannabis content and a lot of um, just different cannabis content around Oklahoma. So she's uh, uh, super cool. We're going to have her on next week. Um, so we'll uh, we'll have her on next Thursday, and then we have um, we'll have a, an advocate that has a daughter um, that uh, is currently taking cannabis-based medicine um, uh, for seizures. So we're going to be we'll have her on uh, a week or two after that, and we have uh, a couple of other cool guests that are going to be coming on. We're trying to diversify the um, uh, the guests a little bit more, and uh, yeah, try to have a little bit more topics on uh, as far as cannabis uh, uh, topics go. Um, uh in the new year <coughs> i'll still have a lot of aquaponic content um but uh you know we'll have a little bit of extra cannabis stuff i'm also going to have a lot more recorded content we have a lot of stuff we're going to be putting together i have a new series on on aquaponic knf and, and some other cool things that will be coming out soon and uh trying to give you guys some of the basics and um what else is going on? oh uh, be sure to check out the um uh, apmjclass.com uh, marty and i have the uh, very extensive aquaponic cannabis class uh, marty has been throwing uh, new sections up every day or two uh, we have a whole bunch of new content uh, uh, queued up for um for uh, right after uh was it next week i think it is we're gonna start recording some of the new additional uh content that's kind of uh, post class so uh we have some different builds that we're doing and some other things that we're putting together that will be uh, um you know, showing off and, and doing some new content and some some interesting things, uh, some small system stuff and some more kind of home scale apartment scale kind of stuff. Uh, so that'll be cool. We'll be adding that to the course as well. Um, and uh, yeah, you can check that out at apmjclass.com. Again, uh, super extensive class on aquaponic cannabis, uh, everything from permitting all the way through uh, design, um, you know, design considerations, um, you know, and, uh, and a whole bunch more. So it's a a really great class and uh, you'll get uh, quite a bit out of it. Um, we have a whole bunch of uh, reference guides and uh, tables and uh, all different types of things in there. We also have the apmjnutes.com as well. You can check that out. We have a whole slew of aquaponic nutrients available. Use them in your aquaponics, your, your uh, hydroponics or your soil. Uh, you know, they're all uh, fish safe. Uh, so if you do overdose, you won't hurt the fish down the stream as long as you don't go crazy with it. Uh, and uh, you know, help provide that for your system is the easiest solution. Uh, definitely check that out. Um, I've been working on a bunch of newer projects. We have a bunch of larger scale stuff uh, in the works. Uh, I think you guys are gonna like it. We'll be off to another state here at the end of the month um, for a couple of days to check in on a grow that's that's going up right now. And then we have uh, a couple of grows here in uh, in the area and then some other places as well. Uh, and then uh, hopefully, uh, the second half of the year, we can start doing some more international stuff. We have a whole bunch of cool projects as soon as this damn virus is gone uh, lined up that are uh, basically the only reason why I'm not there right now is because of this damn virus. So uh, really hoping that, uh, you know, maybe come July or, or August that I can get back to some of the cooler projects and more tropical places than where I am right now. Uh, that's for sure. I know it's quite cold today and uh, not fun. So um, and windy as hell. So. <laughs> Um, uh, other than that, just doing a little bit of uh, seed breeding and 
working on some cool scheming on some cool stuff that I can't share right now. Yeah, really just just trying to catch up on stuff. Oh, uh, Marty and I uh, are will be launching sometime after July the new aquapon advanced aquaponic uh, class. We want to make sure we get uh, all of the cannabis stuff all uh, squared away and, and buffered up before uh, um, and fully launched before we move on to the next class. But uh, we'll have all that uh, uh, up there and uh, here soon. I'm just kind of adjusting some stuff here last minute, and then we'll have the advanced aquaponic class. Uh, for vegetables and just general aquaponics coming up uh, second half of the year. So definitely look forward to that. Uh, we'll be doing another uh, virtual aquaponic cannabis conference uh, second half of the year as well. So definitely um, uh, looking forward to that as well. Uh, and uh, the book's coming along, adding, getting a little bit of that done each week. Um, so that's that's chipping away uh, again with the, the virus having a little bit more time available. And then, um, yeah. Just uh, check out, um, uh, yeah, Marty, you there? Or did you have to step away for a moment? Looks like Marty had to step away. All right. Well, you can check out Marty at AP Meds. Uh, he, we just uploaded a video of him for the Virtual Aquaponic Cannabis Conference on my YouTube at Potent Ponics. He did a wonderful talk about uh, kind of the general theory on aquaponic cannabis. Uh, him and I kind of talked about different topics over the, the two different days. So if you like the talk that I did, uh, definitely check out the one that he did. It's about an hour long. It's, it's quite extensive. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, definitely check out the merch too. Uh, if you're looking to get some t-shirts or hoodies for aquaponic cannabis or just aquaponics, uh, we have that available in the description. Uh, that gives us a couple bucks. It helps pay for the hosting for all the, the podcast stuff. And um, yeah, you can find me at Potent Ponics, at SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, iTunes, Spotify, all the places. I think we're in like a hundred, over 200 different RSS feeds out in the universe now. Uh, so definitely check that out. And um, we will catch you guys again next week. Uh, we'll have some, I have some more recorded content will be going up. So definitely check it out. Uh, every Wednesday we'll have some recorded content and then we'll have the live show on Thursdays. Uh, we'll have some other recorded content here on on probably Tuesdays that'll be going up as well. So uh, we'll have some some different stuff going on, and uh, eventually we'll get back to two shows a week. But uh, right now uh, I'm just a little bit pulled on time, so um, we are going to do just the one show for per week for now. So all right, thanks a lot, everybody. We'll be back again next week. Um, also, be sure to check out our friend shows. We were just recently over on the Growcast. Uh, and had a great episode there. I was just over on the Autoflower show on Monday. I was also on, and I believe they released the episode tomorrow, um, on the Smokehouse Shit Show. Um, so I, th I believe their episode goes out tomorrow. Uh, and then I will. I was also on something else. What else was I on? I forget. We'll figure it out. There was something else that we did a recording for recently, and I'll think of it. But um, I know it's not been posted yet, so uh, we'll just talk about it next episode.